Say goodbye to the food police and hello to peace. Welcome to the Love Food Podcast, hosted by award-winning dietitian and food behavior expert, Julie Duffy Dillon. This authentically engineered series is in the form of a love letter, welcoming you to reconnect with food. Now pour a cup of coffee or a margarita, and let's begin. And welcome to episode nine of the Love Food Podcast. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and food peace promoter. I hope you are well. Thank you for connecting today, and I am so grateful you are listening. Normally, I am taping these podcasts at the lovely Birdhouse Nutrition Therapy offices in Greensboro, North Carolina. Yet today, I am trying to squeeze in an extra recording while at home. So I have a seven and a half year old who's in school today, yet I also have a three year old who thankfully still naps. So I am trying to squeeze an episode in during his nap time. So everyone, fingers crossed, I'm able to get it in. (laughs) I do have about 16 sound machines between myself and him right now in order to further um, help the process of taping this episode because sometimes it gets a little lively as I'm taping and I also want to make sure that he stays asleep. So I'm going to hope that he does. And I'm so excited to bring this next letter to you. But before I get to that, I want to say thank you again for all of the wonderful feedback you're giving me and uh, thorough feedback, as well as the ratings and reviews on iTunes. It is still high in the charts, especially in fitness and nutrition. And I just love that because it's kind of giving the middle finger to all those diets and body hate type of podcasts. So I kind of get a little braggy about it because I'm just so excited that the world is really recognizing that, hey, I can respect my body and be in a place of health. Um, Duh. (laughs) So thank you for that. And I hope that we continue to see it high up in there in the charts. So if you haven't left a a rating or review, I would be so grateful if you did and subscribe to the show and tell your friends about it and make sure they know that, hey, you know what? You can respect your body and love your body and stop dieting and hurting yourself. So, um, And if you do have any feedback, you can always shoot me an email or find me on Twitter. I'm at eatingpermitrd. I would love to have a conversation. So let's get to the letter for today. I think there's a lot of this letter we're going to hear today that you will identify with. The letter writer describes this love-hate relationship with food. And she also has a health condition called polycystic ovarian syndrome. It's a condition that I've worked with for many years now, and although I don't experience polycystic ovarian syndrome, I've worked with many people and have many friends who have it, and um, as much as someone who doesn't have it can understand it, I, I think I'm there, but I am always learning about the experience and you know, in the last uh, six months or so, you may have saw me on My Big Fat Fabulous Life. I was Whitney Thor's dietitian, and she's someone who also has polycystic ovarian syndrome. And this letter writer talks about her struggles with dieting and having PCOS and all the recommendations to lose weight, which in my experience really hurts the condition more than um, helps it. And she also was introduced to body positivity, yet still struggles with this desire to be thinner. 
it brings up a really important question. You know, can can we experience body positivity and respect our body while also wanting to be thinner? And I wonder what you think about that. I would love to hear your thoughts. But right now, let's listen to the letter and get to the show. Dear Food, I have been working for years to make peace with you, to enjoy you, to love you, but I feel like I can't quite get it to work. I was a big kid. I look back at those pictures now and I think, wow, I was cute and chubby and adorable, but then I just thought I was fat and horrible. The other kids made fun of me for being fat. I thought I would never be loved. I hated myself so much that I begged my parents to help me. They took me to my first obesity doctor in Boston in the 80s. I still remember his name and feel an intense rage. He took you away from me, food. I worked and worked. I felt deprived. I snuck food sometimes when I was alone. I was so ashamed for eating ice cream. Though I didn't lose weight, I grew and stretched out a bit. I thought I was better. Of course, it didn't last. We moved to Buffalo. I gained weight and filled out like a normal teenager. I was always on a diet and my parents were always, quote unquote, helping me with this, providing healthy snacks, etc. My mom is a doctor and she was always on a diet herself. For her, it was never okay to even be a little bit fat. In my junior year of high school, I discovered you food. I started dating a boy with a car who loved food. I tried all sorts of forbidden foods. I ate pizza and tacos. I learned to love you. I gained weight, a lot of weight. My mom was horrified to have to take me to the plus size stores. My boyfriend's mom got me clothes that actually fit. Then in college, I learned I had PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. People told me if I didn't lose a lot of weight, I would get diabetes and die young. They scared the crap out of me. I lost over 70 pounds in one year. I was starving. I lived on baked tortilla chips and salad. I made sandwiches with tomatoes and mustard. It was awful. I missed you. I missed you so much. And then I stopped. I started eating again. And over the years, I just went up and up. I tried diets. They failed. I tried again. They failed again. I saw a nutritionist who specialized in working with people of size or with PCOS. I didn't lose much weight. I felt like a failure. Then I got married and I got pregnant and got gestational diabetes. I was so obsessed. I counted every carbohydrate. I didn't want to let my kids down and I didn't. They were born both healthy. A good friend of mine told me about the health at every size approach and I tried to live by it to accept myself. I started working out. I tried to listen to my body. I started to move out of joy and not out of shame. It worked. I exercise more now. All of those foods that were forbidden, I continued to crave. I read a book on treating binge eating disorder and I learned about stocking. I stocked the foods. I got tortilla chips in the house. I have chocolate all the time. I've eaten so many potato chips with sour cream and onion dip that I really don't think I'll ever want to eat that again. I have started to crave vegetables. I eat whole packages of sugar snap peas in one sitting. They're delicious. I'm big enough that a lot of seats are uncomfortable. I'm big enough that airplanes are a trial because I'm not sure if I'll fit in the seats. 
I feel the stares of people as I walk around in the world. I'm ashamed to eat some foods in public. My doctor tells me that he knows crash diets don't work, but if I could just lose a pound a week, it would be okay. I don't want to get back on that scale. I'm mad. I refuse to get on the scale when I go to his office. I feel like if someone had told me earlier, this wouldn't have happened to me. If it had been okay for me to just eat when I was hungry and what I wanted when I was a kid, I don't think I would be here now. I think if I hadn't fucked up my relationship with you, if I hadn't slowed down my metabolism with diets, I would be okay. A little big, but that's okay. But now I'm really big. I'm big enough that it hurts sometimes. My joints make funny noises. I threw out my back shoveling snow. I feel convinced if I weren't fat, I wouldn't hurt even though everyone I know who's hitting middle age hurts too. I feel like it's my fault. Everyone tells me if I were good enough, strong enough, I would be thin. Now I don't know what to do. I don't want to go back to dieting. I don't want to hurt. I don't want to be thin. Fuck those people who want to keep me in a box, who think I'm not okay as I am. I embrace fat positivity. I embrace my power. But sometimes, when I'm all alone, I still wish I was thin. Please help. Raging and regretful. I hear your rage, letter writer. Thank you so much for writing in such a powerful letter. I have to tell you that when I first read your letter... I was sitting in an airport waiting to board a plane, and as I was reading it, I I started to cry. Um, I there's something about it that struck me so powerfully to my heart, and I just want to let you know, I hear you and your rage and your regret. I think it's so important to stay with that anger. I know how uncomfortable it can be to stick. Um, yourself in this place that feels just dreadful. Yet I think the healing that you're searching for in this moment is going to come from sitting in that rage and getting to a place of deeper clarification for you. So as we go through your letter, I hope that this helps. And I also hope that it helps other people who are experiencing similar things to feel um, a little less ashamed of their body and their eating experiences. And also from your letter, there's some topics that you bring up that I think are very important for someone who's listening now to be aware of. And two things, you brought up polycystic ovarian syndrome. So I want to be sure that we touch on that in the next few minutes. And then also the health at every size approach to working with health. And um, so let's put that on our agenda for the next few minutes. But letter writer, first, I want to start by telling you something that I think you already know. This self-described fucked up relationship with food is not your fault. It's not your fault. You know, all the diets, the binging, the avoiding, the love-hate you describe. And I think that is how you survived cultural expectations of you and there is this blog that I read just a few days ago that I think 
are ve- it's very important for you to hear. It is one by, um, I don't know the woman's name. I just know her blog's name is Fat Babe. And I'll put a link to this blog post in the show notes. And I actually want to read a little bit of it right now because I think it is so important and timely for what we're talking about right now. So let me pull it up on my phone. So Fat Babe says in her blog post, and she's speaking about the cultural expectations of fat people and how healthcare providers are not meeting the needs of fat people. And this this blogger is a nurse and she is um, a nurse in a larger body. So I'll let you go ahead and look at her blog post to hear more of her backstory, but I want to read a part of it because I think, letter writer, this is something that really is going to help you to sort through the rage you're feeling right now. So she says, so many fat babes see their healthcare providers with dread in their hearts, or they don't go at all. We are denied healthcare, however subtly, because of how healthcare providers talk to us, or we get healthcare that doesn't actually get at the heart of healing and we internalize it. We blame our fat or a lack of strength, our confidence or our motivation. We turn it inwards instead of looking at why we feel these ways. And letter writer, this is why I wanted to read this blog post because that's what I'm hearing in your letter is that turning the pain and the rage and the regret towards yourself instead of where it belongs with culture, with the healthcare system. And and honestly, from reading your letter, I can get at the the work you've done to reclaim your relationship with food and body and to reject the diet mentality your your way of relating to yourself is already in a place of um that's a path of, of deeper healing and i don't want this moment now to kind of turn your direction so i'm going to read a little bit more of what fat babe says cuz i do think this next point is also important So I would like to say a few things as a healthcare provider. The poor care and cruelty we display in serving fat people is not your fault. Your dread and fear and avoidance are brilliant goddamn survival strategies. You have adapted to shaming and problematic healthcare in the most reasonable and honest way. You are protecting yourself in the best way that you can from a system that is far from kind. Fat babes deserve better. We deserve healthcare providers that honor how our bodies have gotten us this far, that see that fat babes are the strongest survivors, and that our fat bodies have carried us through life, have created life, have survived trauma, and have made us the fierce, hot babes that we are. I love that she keeps calling people of size uh, fat babes. I just, that's rocks. (laughs) So the last thing I want to mention that she stated in, in this post was, I know that most of us don't get that kind of care. I know because I don't get it either. So fat babes, survive healthcare providers. Survive us however you have to, by stepping on that scale or by refusing to, by demanding better care from your provider or by, by quietly searching for someone new. However you navigate your way among us is the right way. Your glorious bodies are not any of our business unless you want them to be. So letter writer, I hope that empowers you to stay on the path of body positivity, that you know what's right for your body, you have that wisdom, and that yes, the healthcare system is probably what has hurt your metabolism. And while I honor 
all shapes and sizes deserving health and respect. I I do wonder for many people if their body size is larger because of all the diets and disrespect that they've gotten throughout the years from healthcare providers. So I hope you know that I believe you are very strong and you are so very brave. So keep that in mind as you move forward. I wonder if your experiences with food, letter writer, I wonder if they have trained you that when things get tough, like this rage you're feeling right now, to look for a magic bullet. And of course, um, a magic bullet for a lot of us in society is that quest for thinness, which is kind of wrapped up in this seductive fantasy. So the thing that I think is super frustrating for you is you do know that it's just a fantasy. And that's an exhausting kind of push and pull to still desire to be thinner, but yet that's just not something that's in the cards for you. And in a way, you also don't want that. You know, you want to be you. I think it's important to not feel shame for wanting to be thin. I I feel like that's part of the survival strategies you've you've come to um to use to survive our world with its cultural expectations of body size. And I I don't think that means that you're not body positive. Um I think how we define body positivity is not necessarily not wanting to be thin. It's just rejecting that as a way to be um, healthy. So as we're talking about this, it does bring up for me health at every size approaches, and especially as it relates to PCOS. So I want to spend a few minutes sharing with you my thoughts on PCOS and actually how I started working with this condition. So PCOS, um, again, polycystic ovarian syndrome, is a condition that is part genetic, part environmental, and it is something that has been around for a very long time, but we healthcare providers really just didn't know what it was. And it's something that a person is born with, but usually doesn't start to experience any symptoms of it until puberty. And um, letter writer, you mentioned um, experiencing the condition enough to get the diagnosis in college. And I find a great majority of people that I've known with PCOS, that's also their experience too. And I think there's many reasons why um, the, the transition to college often um, brings on a lot of stress and environmental change. So I think that's uh, brings about an ac- exasperation of its symptoms. But if you've never heard of polycystic ovarian syndrome, it is something that in a nutshell, is this kind of hormonal dysregulation that probably starts in the brain. And um, we're starting to understand more of it from research. But honestly, until the last probably five, 10 years, you know, old white men researchers just were not really into researching polycystic ovarian syndrome. It's in the name. It's a, it's a woman's condition. So it wasn't really the hot ticket to research funds. But Thankfully, we're starting to understand more. But with that understanding, it's also being researched within the paradigm that weight loss and smaller waist sizes are healthier, which really stinks. And I think that paradigm of weight equals health hurts women with PCOS more than anyone else. And part of the condition of polycystic ovarian syndrome 
includes that hormonal dysregulation, which includes um, insulin levels being very high. So I don't want to go ahead and get into a biochemistry lesson or um, some kind of um, endocrine um, 101, but I do want to, to let you know that insulin levels with PCOS um, basically become so incredibly high, higher than with diabetes, and to the point that every cell in the woman's body with PCOS and high insulin levels, every cell in their body is screaming to eat, and especially sweets and carbs. And by avoiding them, it just makes the um, insulin levels even more um, dire in their like, uh, alarm. And so it's, it's this really um, exhausting process for women with PCOS to um, not eat when insulin levels are high. And um, satiety is something that's affected. It ends up being really this messy kind of experience. And when a woman's insulin levels are high, the insulin is basically like a growth hormone. So their weight is going to go up. And so when a woman's weight is going up, it's the first thing that people will tell them, whether it's their family, their healthcare providers, and society in general, is they're going to tell them that they need to lose weight. And when um, most women are diagnosed with PCOS, that's the first intervention they're told is to just lose weight, which really makes me bonkers because I feel like women with PCOS um, are not going to be able to lose weight without doing dangerous things like it experimenting with eating disorders and extreme fad diets. And that's only going to make their condition worse. We know that cutting calories low, cutting out carbohydrates, doing things that are often recommended to women with PCOS is only going to make their body have more inflammation, which in the end, you know, not maybe the first month or two, but in more longer term, two or three months out is only going to make the insulin levels higher. It's only going to set them up to um, crave that feeling to binge. And it's only going to set the stage for more weight gain. So letter writer, that's why I, I agree with you. You know, I think if someone had better advised you on how to manage your PCOS and instead of teaching you how to diet, taught you how to manage the hormones and then also to listen to your body, I think your way of relating to food in your body would be different. I do also wonder if your body size would be different. When I first started working with eating disorders, I fell in love with working with food behavior. I found myself really rejecting the thought of working with any other medical conditions besides eating disorders because I just loved working with food behavior. You know, when I sit across from someone and they're telling me about their ways of eating or their food rituals or their relationship with food, I just find it fascinating and I rather enjoy that kind of conversation. I just started to say, you know, I'm only going to work with with eating disorders and disordered eating, and I would refer any other cases out. But something kept happening with my clients with disordered eating. Many of them had this PCOS condition, and you know, I started to to see some similarities in that these were women that were probably eating well below the calorie recommendations to the point that if you just looked on paper, you would say they were experiencing anorexia nervosa, the type of eating disorder defined by res very restrictive eating. Yet if you saw them walking down the street, their body size would be um, described as conventionally quote unquote normal, 
or even in a larger body. Yet inside, they were starving, literally. And a lot of these people were telling me that no one seemed to believe them, that they probably were just eating more. And I admit the first few times I heard it, I thought the same thing. But then, you know, after 20 or 30 or 40 people tell you that they're barely eating and yet they're still gaining weight, it made me question, you know, maybe this calories in, calories out thing is not actually accurate because maybe a couple people could be lying, but could really 30 or 40 people all be lying. Um, I think it's really stupid of us to think that everyone is lying. So as I started to question calories in, calories out, and maybe this pursuit of weight loss for people with this condition is hurting rather than helping, it did break open for me the um, ability to shift to a more weight-neutral weight approach. So I'm very thankful for that. And as I started to work with um, PCOS, I started to notice these similarities that I saw in other clients who did not have that diagnosis. And so I just started having them getting it checked out. And I noticed so many of my clients with disordered eating also had this condition. So anyone that comes to my office now with disordered eating, it's something on my radar because it just happens so frequently. I don't think I'm being overly obsessed with this condition. I just think it's so common. It's one in 10 women have it in the general population. And we know people with eating disorders are experiencing um, even more. So I think if anything, it's statistically smart because once a woman helps to heal the hormonal dysregulation, their relationship with food changes tremendously. So um, I have on my website, I have a tremendous amount of articles written on managing PCOS without focusing on weight loss. So I'm going to go ahead and put those in the show notes. And I hope anyone with PCOS can um, just go ahead and click on those and you will find just some other options for you. And I would encourage you to bring them to your dietitian or healthcare provider and see how you can make those fit for you. And as I said earlier, working with PCOS brought me to the health at every size approach. And, you know, working within this paradigm fully for probably the last seven or eight years, I have noticed that there's a lot of misconceptions with this approach. And I'm going to put in the show notes, in case you're not familiar with the health at every size approach, I'm going to put in the show notes a link to kind of an overview of it. But basically, speaking about um, not pursuing weight loss and helping people to find health today brings up a lot of misconceptions. And I think the best way to help people understand what this approach is all about is to talk about what it's really not. So when I talk to people about this approach, they often say, well, isn't that just encouraging binging and out of control eating? And it is not. Health at every size approach, though, does not demonize people that are experiencing a binge or eating more than their body needs. Um, they're not considering it a moral failure. And also a health at every size approach is not glorifying obesity. Rather, the health at every size approach acknowledges that everybody can be honored, everybody can be adored and loved and appreciated and respected. So the other one I also think about with health every size is that it is not healthy at every size. I hear that all the time when people are shunning the, the approach. They describe it as healthy at every size. And that 
that extra why is huge because it's not saying that a person at 50 pounds or 500 pounds and um, is automatically healthy. What it means is that wherever a person is today, they deserve to experience health today. And not until they're at a certain weight, a person deserves to have the respect of um, adequate health care and the respect of if you go to the doctor for strep throat, that you will get that treated and not given a diet prescription. Just like the um, fat babe in her uh, blog post mentioned. So health at every size, what it, it basically means is that Eating is, instead of dieting, it's rejecting dieting and using a more attuned eating approach. So eating according to hunger and fullness cues and letting the body weight be wherever it will be when a person is respecting their hunger and fullness cues. So instead of denying hunger in order to get to a certain size, it's respecting hunger and eating according to that. And then wherever the weight ends up being, that's probably the weight that their body wants to be at and provides the most health for them. Another part of health at every size approaches is exercise that is pleasurable rather than punishing. And in episode four of the Love Food podcast, we spoke a lot about um, how to make this change to a more pleasurable relationship to exercise instead of punishment. So the last part of the health at every size approach that I think is very important, and it's actually the most, um, it's the newest kind of principle that was added over the last few years. And for you, letter writer, I feel like is where you're, I guess, where you are currently starting to uh, approach. And I really encourage you to, to go more towards it. And it's the social justice side of the health at every size approach. And what this means is that we as a society have been oppressing people in larger bodies. We do not hire them for jobs as often. We don't pay them as much. There are cultural assumptions of fat bodies, um, like laziness, um, not smart. Um, It's hard for me to say some of these words because I've retrained my brain to or I at least I'm working really hard to retrain my brain to not hear these stereotypes as much. So when I try to retrieve them, I often find myself stumbling like I am right now. But basically, um, the stereotypes that a lot of us hear in our head about people in larger bodies, the health at every size approach likes to acknowledge those as um, socially wrong. And in order to heal our relationship to our bodies, we need to help change these cultural assumptions. And one of them is to start rewiring how your brain thinks about bodies. So whenever I see a larger body, I am really mindful of how my my brain is reacting to it. And I try to be aware of the privileges that I experience in, in, a, in a thinner body and the um, experiences that someone in a larger body um, is going to have that's going to be different from mine. So I would encourage you to do that. So let a writer... I hear you're like leaning towards that social justice side. And I feel like there are risks with, you know, joining together with us to rage against society because, you know, I've been called like a feminazi. I've been called um, a purist and all these kind of 
descriptions that make it seem like it's more my problem than anything else. But you know what? I say fuck them because I know this is the right thing to do. Um, Everyone deserves to experience health in their body today. And as a healthcare provider, I'm going to be encouraging those I train in the healthcare system to also rage against these social injustices. So letter writer, I want you to, again, know how strong and brave you are. And I'm so very sorry for all of the misinformation and injustice you have experienced in your body. And I see that food has written you back. So I need to part for now. But just know that I will be thinking about you. And I hope you can keep us posted on how things are going. Because we are so glad you have written. And we will be sending you lots of of love and positive vibes your way. So take care. Dear Raging and Regretful, So many experiences have tried to keep us from having a positive relationship. Thank you for fighting to keep us connected. Your courage has kept you connected to your body's wisdom and beauty and strength. You can't unknow that. I hope you continue to fight for your right to experience health in your body today and take up space. Keep in mind, there are zero health conditions that happen to only fat people. Trust this respect and kindness. Acceptance will come. Love, food. Do you have a complicated relationship with food and want to change? I want to help. Send your dear food letter to lovefoodpodcast at gmail.com. I hope to read about your experiences soon. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is the Love Food Series. Have you enjoyed the show, or would you like to give me feedback? I welcome your thoughts. Please give a review in iTunes and subscribe. This type of kindness helps the show continue. You can also tweet me at eatingpermitrd. Take care.